Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are discussing unexpected discoveries or serendipitous learning. Now, what do we mean by unexpected discoveries? It's those moments of falling down a YouTube rabbit hole and finding the answer to a question you didn't even know you had. It's the thrill of discovering a new way of doing something. It's reigniting an old passion or interest. Now that said, it may seem counterintuitive to say that we might need to structure the unstructured when it comes to our learning. By doing so, and then building in reflection time to examine the overall journey, the discoveries can be quite rich. But consider this, we will never discover hidden nuggets if we aren't present and aware. Think of it as finding a gold coin on the ground. You will never find that coin if you aren't aware of the ground that you are walking on. Serendipitous learning requires awareness and presence. We can't learn new things if we aren't observing what is happening around us. So the big question on the table is, how can we help create momentum around looking for and seeing the unexpected? How can we encourage team members to take the time and explore resources to see new topics for learning and discovering new ideas outside of their immediate job responsibilities. So without further ado, let's get to it. Happy Wednesday. I am really thrilled to be here in Orlando experiencing some nice warm weather And that is always, you know, coming from Chicago, it's like, oh, you can breathe a sigh of relief, right? When you go outside and you can get a little bit of warmth. I really do appreciate that. And I went out to dinner last night with a friend of mine who's also from some cold weather. And when we walked outside of the restaurant, it was almost an automatic where you kind of wanted to do you know, that because you're used to going from inside warm to outside cold. So you just kind of flex automatically. And so I walked outside and I started to make that motion. I'm like, wait, it's like 75 degrees. I don't need to do that right now. And so it felt really good to be able to experience that. But how is everyone today? How are you? How's everybody doing? Good. Good to see some faces. Now, today we are talking about serendipitous learning or learning from the unexpected. And here was my question to the group. My question to the group was, is it possible to structure serendipitous learning? Can we put guardrails around it? And if so, how? And what does it look like? Right. So as I said in my newsletter last week, unexpected discoveries, part of serendipitous learning is the ability to be aware of what's around you, being present, right? Yeah, you can't really learn from what's around you if you're not aware of what's around you, 
the example that I gave in the email is you can't find a penny on the ground if you're not aware of the ground. Is that where we need to start building a foundation for allowing for those unexpected discoveries, allowing for serendipitous learning? Is it about first building awareness of being present? You know, so I'm going to turn it over to you. What are your thoughts about unexpected learning, serendipitous learning from an L&D perspective? And how can we help our people get into this sort of mindset? First of all, it's one of my favorite words. So I had to find a way of, of connecting with you all today. Traditionally, I think we've spoken a lot, I mean, from the past episodes around how in the past our structured learning was. And we went to a stage, and I remember even in here in South Africa, it was so much about the structure and very little about the experience. So I think I'm a great believer in allowing nature to take its course within guidelines. So, I mean, I think it's wonderful. I think I can see why some facilitators or trainers would be uncomfortable because it's like, oh, where's it going to take us? Uh, okay. Do I have all the answers and solutions? And maybe it's just, it's a personality thing and, a, and maybe an experience thing. I always try and lean towards that. And it's about planting, I suppose it's about planting seeds. Maybe it's about having a theme and yeah. always asking the right questions and then seeing where that goes. And every session you have, if you're going to have a group of sessions, mainly always, as I'm sure all of you who've follow in the footsteps of learning and development, know that you can have the same content with different groups of people and it can go in completely different directions. I think it often happens with us unknowingly. It happens often, I think, more than we realize. I'm a firm believer in it. But at the same time, obviously, it can't just be a free-for-all. If you've got a theme, that's wonderful because you can just see where the theme goes. Right. Completely agree. And I appreciate the fact that you mentioned themes because that's a big thing for me. And in our Learning Rebels community, right, we have monthly themes, monthly learning themes within the community itself. And you kind of hope that the conversation takes on a life that you did not expect. And it's not unlike this chat itself. It's Let's put this question out there. And sometimes I come into it with, well, this is where I think the conversation is going to go. A lot of times y'all surprise me and the conversation goes in a completely different direction, which is what makes this all so much fun. And that's what I think makes learning fun. And so I really appreciate your point of view with that, David. I think what you're talking about also when we talk about control I think that has a big part of it. So I'm going to throw it back to you guys, throw it back to the group here, is what are your thoughts around that? Why is it then that we seem to struggle with control issues? I see this quite a bit in the corrections industry. So as a corrections trainer, we're very much stuck in the 1980s and 90s. We're always 20 years behind everybody else, it seems like. And one of the most difficult things for corrections to accept is becoming a facilitator and not a trainer. So when you talk about the control, so many people in corrections want to get up in front of the classroom and they want to lecture for eight hours or they want to read the PowerPoint to you. They want to impress you with how much they know as a trainer. And they want to try to make you a subject matter expert in that 30 minute time block or that one hour time block that they may have. 
what really speaks to me today that you've already kind of brought up is that sort of unexpected learning. And I think that's where as a trainer in the corrections model, it's important to adopt the lifestyle of a facilitator because if I'm a facilitator, I am basically the coach in there and I am helping steer them in directions that's going to help meet the learning objective. The learning objective that I may come in with and I have in my head or in my instructor guide may be points A through J. Let's say I have to teach them how to key and tool control in the prison. Well, the learning objective is key and tool control and, and the understanding and the comprehension. But how you get there is entirely up to you as a facilitator or the class. So why don't we ask the questions that have them start to think creatively? Because if they come up with the themes and the ideas and the conversation that guides then at the end of the day, I think the learning transfer happens better because it's their material. They're the ones that are buying into it because it's their information. And it's the same stuff you were going to do anyway, but you had them teach it and you had them talk about it and it just becomes more accepted. But I think we struggle with control because at least in the corrections environment, the staff do have control of the facility. And so they want to come in and control training. But I think it's something that you have to really accept and wrap your head around as a facilitator to say it's okay to not have ultimate control of this as long as like we have a theme and we keep the guide rails, I think I heard earlier, we keep that in mind to reach the objective. I don't think that's unique to the controls industry. I see this in industries throughout, and I'm sure everyone who's on this call can kind of raise their hand to having had that particular experience. You know, I know for sure I see it in manufacturing a lot, you know, so anything that seems to have a little bit of structure to it to start with, I see it in um, healthcare, you know, where everyone is understandably so concerned about the legalities of a lot of things. You know, so what should we say? What can't we say? Legal tells us we have to say this. Marketing tells us we have to say that. And so subsequently, then we throw up our hands, we put ourselves in our own little box and we say, OK, well, I'm just going to operate from within this box, you know, simply because that's the way that the routine has been structured. When we talk about serendipitous learning, when we talk about those unexpected discoveries, I like the conversation that we're having here. Because at first, it's like, how can we set up the learners in order to experience serendipitous learning? But really, it has to start with us. You know, are we behavior modeling serendipitous learning? Are we sharing those unexpected moments? And if we are sharing them, how are we sharing them? You know, how are we sharing the path? I went for a walk today. I saw this. It reminded me of X. And when I looked up, I saw clouds, right? You know, so what was the journey that you took to get to that particular learning moment? And so I, I find that, you know, I'm loving where this conversation is going. What other thoughts are occurring to you as far as where we might go from a L&D perspective, not necessarily even from a facilitator role, but just from an L&D role in general. Erica? I think that sometimes, Shannon, serendipitous learning is 
feared because we tend to get knee-jerk and go back to pedagogy, which believes, as Jeff was talking about, that there's always going to be the one person who knows it all and that that person pushes out all that information to everybody else. Whereas in an andragogical construct, we are all participants in our learning. And to Jeff's point, maybe there's just a person who's acting as a central hub of just helping redirecting it back, mirroring it back, but that everybody there is a part of that. And I think where you get maybe the pushback is where we continue to hang on to this idea that we are participating in pedagogical learning where we believe that it's all housed in one place or by one expert and that it's the only thing, person, or entity that has all the answers or that has a right Mm -hmm. to be able to contribute. And I Mm -hmm. think that that has unintentionally squashed curiosity and is unintentionally relegated serendipitous learning to something that is more or less considered an anecdote and then therefore not considered important or Mm -hmm. uh, necessary. Exactly. Um, Because we haven't included the idea of serendipitous learning or undiscovered or unexpected discoveries into formal learning delivery mechanisms then subsequently it's tossed to the side and it goes under that category. And it does go under the category of informal learning, but nobody really talks about it. And as you said, because we treat it with such a casual perspective, then subsequently it gets treated that when it gets treated, you know, kind of thrown off to the side. So I think you're making a really good point there. Hi, Victoria. Hi, I'm glad I could finally join one of these. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. I've been kind of collecting my my notes as things have been popping to my mind, just as the discussion has been progressing. And I think when you were talking about kind of creating that mindset, I was mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, how do we get our learners to realize that every moment that we're in is a learning opportunity and yes. to be just open to that. I've lost count of even just in the last week, how many times I was just doing something. And then I actually had a very conscious awareness of, oh, wow, that's, there's a key learning moment happening for me right now. I need to jot this Mm -hmm. down or I need to reflect on it. I need to put it in my journal or just put it somewhere so that I can come back and spend some more time on this. And so I think it's trying to find those kinds of opportunities and getting the learners out of the whole mindset. It's like, I have to set aside my dedicated time for learning or learning is this thing I go to. And it's like, No, learning happens in the flow of not only work, but just in living. Life, right. So I don't necessarily have a solution to it, but it's just, I think it is getting people to that mindset. A couple of things that I was thinking about that I guess sort of speak to the controls piece was one of the common things that I get when I'm in my coaching session with my coach when we started off is what's top of mind for you today? And so even I could come into the conversation or get ready for the conversation an hour in advance and think I have a plan or for what I want to talk about in our time together. And something could happen in that hour where I'm going, you know what, actually, that all needs to be put aside and this is what I need to focus on. And so I think, again, just being able to roll with the punches and respond in the moment, Mm -hmm. which is so hard because we all like our control. We all like our space. We want to come in and have this, you know, carefully crafted plan and be able to follow it so that nothing goes awry. And we just know that, well, one, that's not realistic. But two, again, some of those greatest learning moments happen when we've just sort of let everything go. So Mm -hmm. those were just a couple of my initial thoughts. 
Well, thank you for that, Victoria. And I absolutely agree. It's as I'm writing down my own notes, as I'm listening to everybody here, the idea of tracking those learning moments seems counterintuitive, right? How can we help people build a habit of tracking those notes? But not only that, but going back to the notes, that's where the learning happens. And I have to admit, I am so bad at that. I think I'm getting better because now I I believe I have a little bit more of a system. But really it's, oh, I'm going to make a note of that so I can go back and read that or watch it or listen to it. And then you just like, oh, a month later or two months later, you're like, oh, yeah, I wrote that down. You know, so I think we're headed in the right direction in being able to allow people to experiment and see what's happening around them. But now L&D, I think we could be more helpful by helping build a routine, maybe. So some sort of routine around checking back with your notes or a routine with checking back with, you know, those thoughts that you had captured, you know. So I like that. And also the idea about we just do need to be more flexible and adaptable in what we do. We just can't be just stuck to the learning lesson outline and without any push or pull to that. You know, so Alejandro, welcome. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Long time without being here. I know. I'm seeing I'm seeing faces I haven't seen in a while. Jeff and Victoria and David, you know, all of you guys coming back home for a little bit. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. I don't know. I I just want to elaborate. You kind of stole my my comment. But uh, one of the things that I really want to let us think is, for example, I was making a parallel in my head with GTD. GTD used to be this productivity technique that helps you to manage your time. There is a very, very special in that uh, methodology that is the capture moment. When you capture all the things that come up on your head during the day, and the system has a methodology to come back to those things that you capture. You need to have a, by example, uh, David Allen says that you need to have a weekly review. So do that as a facilitators, as a learning and development managers, to capture all the things that come up during the process. Things like uh, how do we do things? Things like uh, what are our learning saying about the content, about the, I don't know, whatever. And finally, I just want to point something. I usually do a lot of uh, the case method during some courses. And the case method, when you put a situation to the learners, the solution may be anything. You know, there's no a unique solution for the case. And there are a lot of things that come up during the discussion. Sometimes learners teach you more about that situation in contrasting with with the solution that you already had in your mind. So if you don't give them opportunities to enrich the company's knowledge in terms of a new solutions, new way to do things, people knew a lot about their processes. And the last thing is we need to let our facilitators get in touch with the operation like a force uh, thing. You need to go out with the sellers. You need to go out with the people in the plants. You need to be in contact with the operation because that's when learning comes up. That's when you capture a lot of things that you think that you know, but you don't know. I've seen a lot of facilitators that say, hey, this must be done this way. And sometimes people lift their hands and say, hey, this is outdated. 
Mm-hmm. So thank you. No, you're absolutely right. And I like that. So share with me some examples of how you've included these capture moments. Do you have different techniques that you encourage people to use? No. Basically, what I do myself is I always have a notebook with myself when I'm teaching. (laughs) And I tell everyone, just before starting my session, I have this notebook. I'm going to learn from you. This is what I say. And I interrupt myself to take notes, and they see me taking notes. And they say, hey, why don't you note this? I'm kind of a interface with the learning and development system, the company. So I can take some things up and I can take some things down. Basically, that's what I do. That is a very simple technique or practice. But Again, it's about behavior modeling. You're showing them how you are capturing those unexpected moments, and hopefully they can learn from that. That's a great example. And I also love what you said about... L&D breaking out of our office, you know, for lack of better term, you know, we all should have those of us or those of you who still work in or in an organization, you know, you've got that one day a week or a month or a quarter that allows you to go into the field, whatever the field is for you. That might be, you know, the warehouse floor or the manufacturing floor or what have you and take that notebook and see what sort of unexpected discoveries you can make. And I think that it's even more critical to do that if you're dealing with a subject matter expert. My thoughts around subject matter experts teaching or training programs, I appreciate that. I'd like to see more of it. But the thing is, is that if you are one day removed from the job that you are a subject matter expert for, you're no longer the subject matter expert, right? Because you're not doing the job anymore, you know? So now part of the unexpected discovery is for you to go back into wherever it was and see what's happening around you and share that. I think that's the second part of this is we capture those moments. Now, how do we share those moments? What's the next part of that process? So I'm curious as to your thoughts, you know, once we capture those unexpected discoveries, what do we do with them? Jeopardy music. You know what? I think that we have to have a formal system in our teams to review those things and say, hey, what have you discovered this week? Open your notebook and share it to us. What programs do we need to change? What methodologies we need to change? What is not working? We do evaluations. We do, I don't know, measurements. We know reaction, learning application, whatever. But what else have you learned? How can we increase the impact of our courses simply by listening to our learners or by listening to our managers or whatever? I don't know. Having a formal space during, as you say, every week, every quarter, whatever, can make this functional, I think. I agree with that. Victoria? My organization leverages Slack, the messaging and collaboration platform, and we have a dedicated channel for learning development. We've tried to create a regular cadence for people to come and post things that they're learning about. We call it the learning corner. It first started out with once a month, and largely it was the L&D team, which is just two of us, kind of posting things that we had learned and sharing them out for everyone's consumption. 
we've opened it up and we've always invited anyone in the organization to contribute. There hasn't been a ton of adoption, but I have noticed that when there are other people in the organization or who are doing it, there seems to be far more interest in it than if it's the people that, you know, are excited about learning and in general, we're always doing it. But I mean, they can put an article or a cool website or anything that they have stumbled across. They can share their takeaways from a conference that they attended. And again, it's really just to try to drive that ongoing conversation about learning. And I would like to see more more of it happening, but I have had, it has been very slow to adopt. That is one kind of informal way that we've been trying to get people again in that learning mindset framework that it doesn't have to just be happening while you're in the training or in the e-learning course. Exactly. And I love the idea of using Slack, big Slack user myself, and just simply by giving them an opportunity, you know, giving them a place to go, you know, I think a lot of times is taking away a really big barrier. Then after that, it just becomes building a habit. And it's slow at first because people haven't built the habit. And as you said, (laughs) People don't necessarily want to hear from, you know, oh yeah, L&D, okay. You know, they kind of want to hear from each other. So then it's about encouraging. So it goes back to the questioning part. It's, well, so-and-so, I heard you talk about this in a meeting the other day. Where did you find that information? Where did that come from? Share this with me. I'm more interested in. So maybe it becomes us leading the questioning efforts, right? And then that will encourage others to contribute. I don't know. But I do think there's something in there about the art of not just asking questions, but to allow for questioning to happen within the course, a class or a program, you know? So throwing it out to the group and just letting the ripples go where they may. What are some of the other barriers that we can maybe lift? Now, in past coffee chats, we've discussed helping them be more collaborative. We've discussed creating a safe place to have these sorts of conversations, both of which I think underpin the idea of allowing for more serendipitous learning. Are there any other techniques that we can use Or on the other hand, what have you found successful that creates those aha moments that we all love to see, you know, as L&D people? What is it that you're doing that brings those aha moments to life? I am a consultant for a company called NetCare in South Africa, which is one of the biggest hospital groups. And they are on a project called The Journey of Compassion. And it's actually based on all the research done by the Stanford University on empathy and compassion. And they've really tackled it. It's been quite in awe of how they've tackled it because they've tackled it right from board level all the way down to hospital level. And it's been two-hour interactive workshops introducing the concepts of empathy and compassion. It's evidence-based. I'm naturally a heart person, so it's been a lovely project to work on because there's a lot of head stuff at the same time. That's a lovely balance between head and heart. And it's been trying to tackle and allowing people to express using their own stories around what empathy and compassion is to the individual and not to the employee, but to you as a whole being. So to whatever we we unpack and share in your whole life at home with your friends and with your family. So it's so aligned to what we've actually been talking about because it's really, obviously the aim is to 
inculcate the culture of the medical environment. And it, it came from the aftermath of COVID, where even in hospital environments, you know, nurses and first responders were withdrawing from patients and not moving towards patients or even touching patients. So they really wanted to to reignite what empathy and compassion actually meant. So it's still early days, but it's been an amazing experience. And it's really, it's just very free flowing and allowing people to share their examples of what empathy and compassion look like in their own lives. And then backing up by evidence-based research around, you know, if you don't allow people to put up boundaries in their working environments, then it's going to lead to burnout and to resentment. So how does an organization, especially a compliance-driven environment like the medical industry, how does it still allow the employees to be able to say no to things and to question things without being disciplined or to not follow compliance? It's very brave, I think a very bold initiative to tackle. That is very interesting. I One of these days, I'd love to learn more. <laughs> Talk about serendipitous, right? I'd love to learn more about that. <laughs> You'll have to tell us more about how that continues and how it continues to grow, but that's fascinating. But I love the idea where you touched on here about storytelling. I think that we can learn so much from each other's stories, regardless of industry here. And I think this is, can go across industry, is if we can capture those stories and then share those stories somewhere, maybe it's a podcast, right? And so each episode has a story about a certain topic or about a certain thing, because then people listening to it, they can infer their own learning from that story, right? And so then maybe it's attached to a theme. Maybe the theme is compassion or empathy, right? And so now everybody tells a story about a time when dot, dot, dot. And then people listening to that can gain their own experiences. And then in an industry, you know, like Jeff's, maybe there are stories there that they can share, you know, about their own experiences, about X, Y, Z, about a certain topic. And that becomes recorded and that becomes shared in a certain space. And it doesn't have to be hosted, you know, through a, a podcast mechanism. Audio clips can be put on Slack. They can be put on Teams, you know, so then it just becomes a sharing of audio clips and organized as such. So anytime that we can gather those stories and let people connect to those, that's a serendipitous moment. So thank you, David. That sparked a serendipitous idea for me because essentially that's what we collectively as a coffee chat group have been doing, you know, for the past three years, you know, is sharing these thoughts and ideas with each other and gaining all of these different sorts of learning. So I think Anything that can mimic that, I think would be beneficial. Any other techniques that you guys are using for encouraging aha moments? We ask people, okay, so what did you learn and what will you do with that? So what are you going to do with this within the next 48 hours, 72 hours? What are you going to do with this? And are there any other sorts of questioning techniques perhaps that we can put into play? What are you hoping to get out of today's session? You can come to a training class on leadership development, but that's a very broad topic. It's like, what are you looking for? And then that kind of helps guide that conversation. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll, you know, you've got sort of the, here's your learning, here's the learning journey for 
today or this week or whatever. And then I say, all right, now I'm going to put that aside. You came in here with a goal. What's the goal? Usually I, I get that from them. So maybe to build on it, it would allow them a few moments of discussion to attach to it. Why is that your goal? And maybe there's a a table discussion around that. And maybe people can grab some different ideas from it. So to build on it. So I, I love that, Victoria. And then in the chat, thanks, Todd. What do you think would make your life easier? I like that. That's really open, isn't it? So what would make your life in this particular topic, at this particular circumstance, if you could learn something that would make your life easier, what would that be? You know, that's a different way of saying what are your expectations, because I, I, I like that, because it ties back to relevance. And when we talk about learning, relevance is important, right? Alejandro. You know, I love when a company projects start from a learning session. If we can measure how many projects, how many things that start because of a discussion in a learning environment, that will be very useful for us as a learning and development areas to uh, show up our potential, our way to improve business and results and impacts. If we can measure, by example, as an index, I know as humans, we tend to deteriorate everything that starts being measured and we start doing things as because we are measured of. But really, if we, if we can follow up, how many projects have we started as a, as a learning development that impact the company? How many meetings we kick off after? You know what? That's a great idea. Let's make it happen. Who need to call? Who need to meet? I don't know. Let's do that. And accompany those projects as a learning and development. I don't know. Maybe that's a way. I think what you're trying to say or I want to be sure I'm hearing you correctly, Alejandro, is that if these learnings come out of a class or a meeting or what have you, people want to see an outcome, right? So if we acknowledge, oh, that's really interesting. I think that that's a great point or something. Now what? What's the now what? What are we going to do with this information that we have serendipitously learned? you know, from our end. So I think that that's something that's really great. And if we could capture all of those next actions, you know, so maybe that's in the Slack channel or in Teams, it's like this bubbled up at our last meeting. And this is what happened because this bubbled up. You know, so communications like that, I believe would encourage more people to contribute. And then also... A random thought popped up into my head about connecting with surroundings. So the other conversation that we had just the last time we were all together was about debriefing and reflection. So if we connect the last three coffee chats, which were psychological safety, collaboration, and debriefing and reflection, it kind of leads us to the conversation that we're having today. So my thought was, what if we sent people just out five minutes, take a walk around the office, take a walk around the parking lot. If we just said, here, go do this, take a notebook with you, jot down some notes about something that you are observing around customer service. Yeah, let's say customer service. So if you went around your office, what are some examples that you're seeing in the wild? 
that might translate to a customer service attitude or customer service behaviors, right? And then that's allowing them to see the sidewalk so that they can see the penny that's on the sidewalk. So maybe there's something there in an idea like that, letting people connect to their surroundings, letting them connect to nature, giving them those moments of reflection. So that way they can have those serendipitous moments. Have any of you used techniques like those? Is that something that might be possible? One of the things that makes me think a lot this this conversation is how they see us as a teachers or as a facilitators. How is our ranking in the, in the organization? When you say earlier, you know, go out and see the operation. I said to myself, it's like getting out of a cave, you know, or H and R cave, and and walk the business. People are tired of us. They look the the courses as a punishment. What I did wrong. Why do I need to take out of my time? of my operation, my responsibilities just to assist to a course or to see that e-learning, you know. And I think that is a very bad environment to initiate serendipitous learning because I need to like you. I need to know that Trust. you are useful to me, that you are a key brilliant point for my success. But if you are not How can I share some learnings that I discovered? You know what? Nothing's going to happen. This is the same old situation every time. I think that it drives me to that point, too. It really calls my mind to that point. That's a brilliant point. And to be honest, one that I hadn't considered. You know, so thank you for that. It starts from a place of trust. It starts from a place of building relationships. Right, David? I concur completely. I remember back in my days when I was in corporate, I used to get in lots of trouble. As you've all been talking, it was about, for me, it was about being in stores. It was about connecting, building relationships with the ops team so we can form that trust relationship. Because I always experienced it very much if you didn't show, build that relationship or show that you understood the environment that's when there was a disconnect. It was like you just popping in from head office to, to snoop around or to report on us or to present some course that I have to go on to because I'm not providing good customer service. But as soon as you spend time, and it does take time, that was what I learned too. You can't just pop in, pop in and pop out. They want you to just be in their space to really be able to relate to the environment. So I think that's absolute key. I mean, if I was running a multinational corporate, I'd make it compulsory that you had to, everybody, it doesn't matter what your role is, not just learning and development, you would all need to spend time in the environment and not uh-huh. just popping in for five minutes. Uh-huh. Dedicated time every single month to be in that space because as you've all shared, that's where you're going to, from a learning perspective, you're going to pick up, you're going to listen, you're going to observe, people are going to talk to you. That's also the power of conversation. Now, many ideas came through somebody sharing with me what they were experiencing, and then and then me further, obviously further investigating it. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. I completely agree. Absolutely. And when you do participate on that level, it does build trust. It does build relationships. It makes the organization believe that you actually do care about what's happening around you. You're just not there to create e-learning programs or pretty PowerPoints or whatever, you know, that you you are a part of the overall conversation and the culture. This is a really great point. And this has to do with a conversation that we haven't had in a while, which is about L&D and how we are being marketed and how we are branded. 
you guys know I could talk a whole other hour about that particular topic. But how are we seen? And a lot of that is our fault because we don't get out and we don't talk and we don't find out what is happening and we're not being good stewards, you know, of the industry, you know, within our own organizations. And this is, if I bring the conversation back, it is about that level of behavior modeling. If we do it and if we set a good example for doing anything, be that serendipitous learning or informal learning or collaboration or sharing of knowledge or knowledge management or just being good gatherers, good curators of the stories within our organizations. And if the organization doesn't see us doing it, why should they do it? It's such an important point. And I do think that it underpins everything that we've talked about today. It all starts from that point. And I didn't bring it up earlier because I just assumed that we were starting from this point. And shame on me for assuming that. It was an important place to start the conversation. So thank you for that, Alejandro and David, for bringing that up. Because I think it's a great point from which to start. Okay. As we are almost at the top of the hour, not up yet. I think this is going to be a great follow-up conversation to where we've been the last few coffee chats. Our next coffee chat is all about coaching and mentoring. You know, so now that we're we're kind of wrapping this or we're kind of putting this all together, when we talk about psychological safety, collaboration, debriefing and reflection, and now serendipitous learning, how can we be better coaches, be better mentors for each other and our organizations, but also How can we build a culture of coaching and mentoring? How can we do that? Do we have to put formal programs in place? Can we do this from an informal perspective? So that's where the conversation is going to go at our next coffee chat. I don't have that up yet, but it will be up before the end of the week for you guys to be able to um, join in. And then also going back to where we started an hour ago, as we were talking about the monthly learning themes, which is a great part of our Learning Rebels community. And so if you want to take a look at what you know the community might have to offer you, I'm sure, and we'll drop that link into the chat. There you are. So there's our, our community. I'm super excited by the community. We've got 30 people. We've got 30 people in it right now. We just opened up the doors just this month for it. So I'm, I'm really excited that we've got a lot of good conversations in there. Erica's part of it, you know, so we've got some really good stuff happening there. And it, it just talk about serendipitous learning. It's all of us coming together. It's the extension of what we've built here with Coffee Chat. And you guys are always such a great inspiration to me. So thank you. And I'm just so happy to see some of your faces today. So thank you for joining joining today and making my Wednesday. And I'm going to go off and I'm going to see what else I can grab out of the Learning Solutions Conference that I'm a part of this week. So I'm looking forward to that. So hopefully you guys have a great week ahead of you. Anything special on your agendas for this week other than just working? Thank you everyone for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. This was a fun topic, and it fit nicely into our previous episodes of collaborative learning and creative debriefing. 
because many of the debriefing techniques mentioned could have easily transferred over into this topic about unexpected discoveries. Because during the debriefing process, we are asking for people to reflect. We're asking them to stop, breathe, think, and connect with relevant messages. And when it comes to structuring the unstructured and helping people discover the unexpected, we can help through active questioning, but not the expected questions like, what were some of the key learning points, but questions that really require people to think beyond the limits of their brains. Try a question like, what assumptions did you make at the beginning of this program that ultimately turned out to be incorrect? Now, I did appreciate the discussion about our role in the overall discovery process. How good are we at sharing stories? Are we able to guide learners to unexpected discoveries? Are we connected with our own surroundings? And last, and most importantly, do our learners trust us enough to share their serendipitous learning? There were a lot of ideas mentioned, so I hope you found something unexpected in today's conversation to use to create those unexpected moments of learning with your team. Now, you want to join us live? And I know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com, check out the events page, and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.